Hey, Neil B here. Hey, um, this episode of The Champs is brought to you by Audible. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash champs. Get your free audiobook download. You, what do you want? You want the Mindy Kaling book? It's everybody hanging out without me? What do you want? There's a Pete Townsend book. I'm just, I mean, look, I'm on the website right now. I'm just checking things out. Um, the Oscar Goodman, the old mayor of Vegas, has a book. Um, of course, the Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, oh, here's a good book you guys might like. Uh, You're a Badass, How to Stop Doubting Your Greatness and Start Living an Awesome Life. Right, guys? Um, so, so yeah. The, so, go to audiblepodcast.com slash champs and, uh, and get it. I'm, of course, reading The Goldfinch still because I've been a little busy, guys. I haven't had time for my readings. But, um, but yeah, so hit it. Hit it, bro. There's all those... Uh, uh, diver- uh, there's... there's uh... Oh, Hillary Clinton has a book, Hard Choices. I bet that's interesting. Um, she narrates it. Um, and things of that nature, think like a freak, the new Freakonomics guys have a book, um, and of course, 50 grades of 50 shades of gray. Look, I could go on and on audiblepodcast.com slash the champs. Um, no, I'm sorry. Audiblepodcast.com slash champs hit that shit free audiobook download. You can't afford not to. Yes, we're recording, everybody. Are we going? Yeah. It's on? Yeah. Toot, right. toot. Yep, yep. Hey. Um, hey, everybody. It's Moshe Kasher here. I went. I got in first. Not go. But you, you got dates, Neil? <laughs> I got in first in order to allow you to go it's first. July 20th, um, Sundance Channel. Well, y'all, y'all already know what it is. Fucking Sundance Channel. Um, uh, no, I'm doing the show, The Purple Matrix, so watch it, please. That's it? That's all I got. Shit, that's great. Oh, I'm thinking I'm going to Ireland, like uh, maybe July 26th or something. Uh, and I will be, uh, this is Moshe Kasher, I will be at the Comedy and Music Festival on the Atlantic Ocean on a boat. Gene Gray, Kyle Kinane, Debbie Kamal Bell, Natasha Leggero, Matt Bronger, all kinds of fun people. Go to boatparty.biz to get all that Again, you're a, you got to be a real fan you got to be a fan of the ocean to hear about this Comedy. on a podcast and go like fuck it i'm going on a cruise <laughs> maybe you've been looking for a re- an excuse yeah, to, maybe. to cruise you maybe know? god maybe, bless maybe it's not maybe it's more cruise less comedy and you just this is the you little, know what i mean yes this is the sand that tips the little hourglass you over you want to give it to pharaoh oh i mean we can give it to pharaoh you got some dates coming up man yeah i do actually uh i'm in uh L.A. and on the West Coast uh, at the end of the month on 24th and Santa, Santa, one of those Santa Santas. Clarita. <laughs> Santa Clarita. Santa I think it's Santa Ana. Santa Ana. Everybody plays Santa Everybody Anna. plays Santa Ana. Uh, we're doing San Francisco and Seattle and uh, all those other good places in Vancouver. Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> Vancouver. Farrell Manch, uh, Ninth Wonder, Rhapsody, DJ Revolution. Uh, it's going to be a blast. Yeah, it's going to be dope. What are those dates? The 24th through the 30th on the West Coast, starting in Santa Ana. Of June Anna. or July? So listen. Of June? Uh, yeah. So right. listen, June, if June. you are on the West Coast and you like hip-hop, go to those dates. If you're on the East Coast and you like the ocean, 
Come fuck with me on the boat. Are you, you got are choices you to make. Come. If you're in Ireland, go fuck Come with Neil. Come fuck with me. You got cable? <laughs> you got that <laughs> Sundance package? Watch it. That's much tar- You got that Sundance package? Yo, you That's that. amazing. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> um, all let's, right. Let's start the episode. Yeah. How about right. it? Now you're fucking with the champs. Get the fuck up Simon says get the fuck up Throw your hands in the sky Weezers in the back sipping yak Y'all what's up Girls rub on your titties Yeah Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right Alright yeah. we're back all right, so uh, our guest today, Pharrell Monch, one of my favorite rappers, and uh, one of the greatest, one of the great <laughs> rappers. Sir, I would put certainly uh, get the fuck up in the top twenty of all time, if not the top ten. Wow, I would say you. maybe top three beat drops. Wow, of all thank time, you, right? thank you. You know that little when it first hits, you know that feeling you get. Uh, that, yeah, oh, it's maybe it might be number one. Here's the one. thing, though, he has nothing to do with that part. I'm just saying, it's a great <laughs> song. Um, it Love is a great song, <laughs> but I'm trying to give all credit due just lyrically to the god. I'm trying to give. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I don't want to give any. Who made the beat? Uh, I did. Ah, in your face! <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> you don't have any context for this, Pharaoh. But like when you when you made me write, it was a that was just a huge victory in an ongoing struggle. Wow, this is wonderful. Um, that's all right. So I'm giving all blessings to the God, yeah. the God Pharaoh March on the beats as well. <laughs> <laughs> giving all blessings to the God, and uh, you. But I do remember you getting in some legal uh, problems about that beat. Did you not? Yeah, man. Um, this is somehow a victory for me. And oh, uh, shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> Are you guys too? Okay. Uh-huh. We're talking about four hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars worth of trouble. Ugh. We're talking about. The, the the Godzilla people coming after my ass, but so the Japanese, the 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 the, the, the Japanese man. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they 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 uh, they sued Priority and Raucous and me, and uh, I wiggled my way out. You my, did? Yeah, I did. So you didn't have to pay? No. Oh, Who, all blessings. Pay? A blessing to the God. Like, yeah, again. man. Uh, uh, you know, my lawyer, my lawyer did this. He said. Look, if you tape the Super Bowl at your house and you have it there to watch at your leisure, it's not illegal. But if you bring it to your friend and he then makes 100,000 copies of that and he distributes it to the people for money, then he's at fault for doing that. Not this guy over here who was just watching it at his house. Yeah. So I wiggled my way out. That's a great legal defense, I gotta say. I mean, straight up, that is a great defense because yeah. that. It took me two years to pay that lawyer, though. <laughs> That's I charged yeah. you four hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good news and bad news. <laughs> I got you out, but uh, billable hours four hundred fifty thousand um, dollars. All right, so uh, but that's yeah, so that's great. And then since, but you, have you? I feel like you're another one of these like indie dudes who goes in and out of labels, in and out of like. I feel like, do you want to be on a major label and it just never, you never fit in? Or is it just like you're, you're ambivalent or? In the beginning, <laughs> I mean, we were, we were on major labels and, uh, 
my last label situation was uh, two albums ago with an album called Desire at uh, Motown Universal SRC. And then we decided to go totally independent, uh, you know, for the first time. Like, really, really, this is partially my label type of thing. Correct. Uh, got into a partnership uh, with my manager, and we did an album called War, which was an acronym for We Are Renegades. And then this new album, Post Traumatic Stress Disorder, is totally indie. It's just ours and with the distributor and... Um, it's it's doing pretty good. And do so, you you're happy with like the the bigger cut, smaller but, footprint, but bigger cut of the I'm loving that whole uh getting a check for the first time. Because on the major situations I never even seen a royalty check, to be quite honest with you. Right. Uh thank you for being quite honest with me. We did receive <laughs> royalty <laughs> checks from the war album. And um, you know, we're gonna be owning that soon. So it's about owning what you wrote in your content in the long run now and and seeing whether it's going to pay off in the long run. But in the immediate, it's, it's fucked because, you know, there's no startup, there's no video, there's no budgetary, there's a lot of budgetary constraints. So you're dealing with that. When, when you're on an indie, you're saying. When you're on an indie yeah. and you're trying to compete against all these people and vie for the same space and everything. But don't you think that all media has become sort of democratized to the point where you can make and you can do all the work that the major label will do and it will cost you a lot less now? Even though you come out of pocket for it, you probably at this point in your career know a million filmmakers Definitely, that want to work with you and make a video. And I mean, that Simon Says video was... Two hundred and something thousand dollars, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a shit video. Uh-huh. People were mad at me, like they wanted Godzilla to right. be in the video, and ray guns and lasers, and me stomping buildings and stuff. And it still cost two hundred something thousand dollars. We damn near shot a movie for the last album, right? That was brave reviews on, got submitted into contest and it, it we did it for five thousand dollars right but it's is it not harder to there's still benefits to being on a major label like it's you still have it's huge you have to pay them back yeah but they do give you a, a it's it's a bit of a performance enhancing drug where it's like you you get there's benefits you get to be on tv you get to you get they can push your video their they pr can do arm yeah, they, yeah 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 they're really good at it definitely they have they have more power in those areas and if you get green lighted it benefits you tremendously obviously to be on a major but if you're one of the many artists that's that's been sitting there for a while and you're not getting green lighted it's very frustrating yeah and even at your stage in the game you that that can happen to you on a major i mean it's, it's it's happening to people right in front of our faces who are more famous than i am you know uh uh, a couple of years ago, the situation with Lupe, where he's coming off a platinum Grammy award-winning album, and the label is like, "Yeah, we're just not going to put it out if you don't listen to what we have to say." In terms of right. creative creative notes, or they yeah. Just, yeah, I think it was more from a creative standpoint. Yeah, you know, yeah, and they do, if they just don't like the sound, they just go, "No, yeah, we release this." Again, it comes back to like a like I was talking about being in those table reads at NBC, and you would see like the head of comedy. It'd be some like soccer dad with like cargo shorts, like he just 
rolled out of his minivan, you go, it must be the same thing on these labels. Like, <laughs> so you're the dude giving the notes on the on my album? like Exactly. Well, a lot of this shit just comes down to one dude's opinion. Right. Yeah, I mean, to be quite honest, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happier uh, creatively. Even though I've always had creative freedom with labels, at the end of the day, where the marketplace is right now, I, I would... I would be dead. I would. I would. I would have hung myself by now. I mean, what's trendy now is is in my heart is shit, and I would and really have to struggle heart. with yeah. a label. To be quite honest with you, it's shit. Be qu- yeah. wanna speak from your heart. <laughs> it is, man. I'm like, have you I couldn't imagine trying track? to implement that into my music. You should try to do a dubstep track. Yeah, I think that'd be really good for you. I think you'd really like that. Someone pitched dubstep to me for. Th- I mean, I won't even get into it. But <laughs> there's just, just somebody pitching dubstep just to every creative person. Like, I mean, person. it might as well have been on the street. Like right. he was just like, "Well, what if we went dubstep?" And it's like, "What the fuck are you talking? <laughs> Did you just hear the word dubstep and think I need to say this in the next forty-eight hours, or I'm gonna, it's going to expire somehow?" Um, that's how it felt. Where I was like, "Dubstep." I mean, um, people are yeah, they're like little you know little gromlets, yeah. just like. There's they the like you, repeating what they heard. Yeah. Uh, do you, does is the feeling of being on a major label any different than the feeling of being on on just indie homemade DIY thing? Uh in the beginning. <laughs> Back to the beginning. <laughs> my mind you, this is twenty twenty some odd years. I mean, there was a time when major label situation was just like heaven, and you're in a spaceship studio that looked like the enterprise and yeah there's limitless budgets and food budgets and car services and people picking you up from the airport and yeah. all of those beautiful what was the what group were you in in the 90s organized confusion yeah, there you go and uh all of those beautiful perks even with raucous even though they were indie label they had a billion dollar backer and rupert murdoch's son yeah who was a part you know contributor to the label and um we would have nice flights and car services and stuff contrary to what people believed about it being backpack or whatever yeah and so uh and that was all let me speak for myself i don't know about the other artists no i heard (laughs) i heard most had to walk back from the airport he had to walk from jfk to his house (laughs) but that was all because albums were still selling back yes yeah and and that's what i was alluding to like the whole economy for the planet just changed and those budgets are not there anymore unless you're a green lighted artist to me by green lighted obviously i mean how many artists do you think are even by your definition green lighted in hip hop drake kanye you said it has Ross. to be at that level yeah 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 and, and you know you're probably going to make money for the label that's the thing is, right. you're prob- the even with of, nobody buying albums, you're still going to sell enough albums gonna, to make yeah, money for like, the label. You're gonna sell a bunch of albums. I agree. It's a handful, and they also have, and you have catalog with them. So, like, you're yeah. gonna sell your old shit with them. You're gonna, so they're willing to. You're in business with these people. A lot of these people are not in, but it's sort of like a sponsorship thing with labels. It's a handful. Nicki Minaj. Uh. And even in some of those situations, you know, uh, 
Rick Ross kind of has his own yeah independent thing structure underneath the the major situation so yeah so is the money even necessary i guess is the is the question like it sort of seems like how much does it cost to make how much did simon says cost you to make i mean uh, you know what i mean like even if you can't account for buying the computer and the program and everything what's a 10 grand yeah i would say about seven grand yeah and years of digging and and uh the studio process was still a little expensive back then too. We we were we mixed it at one of the premier studios in New York City with one of the premier engineers in New York City and uh that process was way more expensive than it is now. Well, it's kind of providence, right, that even as there's less money available from the big labels, that it also costs less money to do something independently. So you can probably mix an album for the sort so much cheaper now than you could when albums were still exactly and yeah. even those top engineers are uh they're working out of home situations and uh sony studios closed down like what is that now parking lot hit factory yeah done gone you know because so many of the top artists uh, have home studios right you know alicia keys is recording and mixing out of her mansion and Long Island. So uh, she, I thought she bought Eddie's place in Jersey. It's in Long Island. Oh, okay. she has a place in Manhattan too. I thought her and her and uh, Swiss bought Eddie Murphy's old place. Which come has on, a beautiful, guys! Beautiful recording we're, studio. We're up in the ether now. All the <laughs> listeners. Like, no, I right heard. Now? No, I spoke to her, and I had. No, no, I heard that Obama <laughs> sold her that, some stuff. No, we have the same that decorator. She then invested, and <laughs> Warren Buffett himself came down in a Rolls Royce, gave it to them. Anyway, all right, so, with the for, the, so the album is called um, uh, Post Traumatic Stress Disorder. Disorder. And, and why is it called that? Well, because it was coming off for of the last album called War, and I wanted to. Um, be a little more transparent about some of my issues emotional issues dealing with being independent and some situations i dealt with uh medical medically with the asthma and you know the medications and the side effects of the medications and depression and so we got really uh open and transparent on the record and vulnerable pretty much do you think that that's an issue in hip-hop is that people don't get vulnerable enough because I, I do, from my perspective, it's like I want, after, you know, listening to it since I was a kid, I want to hear what you're talking about, like people being right. soft on some level. That's what we were talking about earlier. Like, hip-hop is just, like, super, <laughs> super dude right now. Everybody's, like, Superman and a Teflon skin, and nobody really talks about their their downfalls or their weak spots or their weaknesses so it was kind of a a, 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 a ill thing to do to be that vulnerable uh, but I think people appreciate it I think people appreciate when artists like Kanye talks about breaking his jaw and you know being vulnerable in that way or Tupac or Biggie saying that he recognized he was ugly but however he could dress and he could still get women. I think that's when I related to him the right. most. You know, so there's been classic examples. Of, I related uh, to kicking the door, but you're, you're a bitch. So. 
Oh, that was... You bold. always been a bitch. That was very bold, Neil. <laughs> so, you guys had your songs from Biggie, and I had mine. Right. It's a different lifestyle, guys. I don't judge. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and enjoy that. No, I... But I also think it's a bigger... Uh, it's a bigger... Um, issue in the it seems like in the black community where it's like you can't you can't talk about mental health it's like just some bitch shit it really is like it you think that's true yeah 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 we 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 talked about that on the album and i allude to uh how difficult it was to talk about but you can't be vulnerable in in black community at all so to 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 bring up to your family or to your friends some invisible emotional issue is like what the fuck are you talking about right you know? it also seems to be like if you don't it's like if you say something to your mom or grandmother or something they'll just be like you just gotta pray baby <laughs> <laughs> and it's like okay that what if what if that doesn't work that's not possible <laughs> okay talk to me about this prayer thing now if this doesn't solve these chronic fucking mental ills I have. <laughs> so then what do I do? And then guys are on some like, you you just got to man up. Right. And it's like, so where do you turn? Honestly, where do you turn? And you're saying the invisibility is a factor too. Like if it was cancer and you could say, look, look at me. I right. have a sickness. You could, right. The doctor showed me an x-ray. That's okay. Well, what do you think that's about? Why? Why? I think, you know, people got their foot, their feet cut off trying to run. During slavery time, and uh, you go to work with a with a broken leg and with a you know busted liver and hypertension, and you do what you got to do, and it's your your skin is hardened, and so you know if I'm talking about missing a show or uh, being depressed, it's a deeper issue to deal with if if the issue is invisible, you know. Right, so if you say I can't make it to this show because I'm depressed, there's judgment there. But if it was something exactly, like, I got yeah. shot, got yeah. shot nine oh, times. Cool. People would be like, "We added a show. <laughs> we got added a show because you got shot. Now you're gonna sell some albums." Um, yeah, and so what there's, do you, there's, yeah. Some, there's some sort of coll- you're saying in other words, there's some sort of collective post-traumatic stress disorder, just like the album that has is manifesting itself in bravado or something like that. I think so. I think uh, many artists and many fans uh, reached out uh, after the album came out in in relation to dealing with some of the same issues. So uh, I think it's uh, it's actually pretty hard, pretty hardcore (laughs) to uh, be that vulnerable. Whereas a lot of the uh, things that are deemed gangster is not... It's like comical to me right now. Well, it's also conformity. Exactly. Right. You're saying, in other words, it's, there's more bravery in being vulnerable than there is in being the man. Yeah, definitely. And is it weird for you to have people, strangers, coming up to you and going, yo, I know all about your depression issues. I, I too, am depressed in this specific way. It's weird. I'm, I'm reading messages on the Internet now. And, um, you know, I find I, I find humor in everything. We all should. And so I don't, you know, it's just, I don't want to say it's humorous, but it's just wild that, you know, people writing, like, you know, I was experiencing some of the same crazy shit that you was experiencing, and that's that's beautiful in a sense, too, you know? Right. 
What were you saying about the asthma before we started rolling? Well, I had a stint in the hospital. I had a real, real bad attack that they couldn't alleviate. And so uh, they pushed it on the medication. And then when I finally was released, I uh, was taking the medication outpatient, uh, different levels of antibiotics and steroids and uh the cocktail of those medications just threw me into a whirlwind uh depression and i couldn't put my finger on why it was because it never happened before and uh i had a dentist appointment and i had to write down uh prescriptions on the form and the dentist brought me into his office and pointed out that this particular cocktail and medications cause severe depression he was like do you you realize that he and he just knew from he just knew and uh a dentist yeah that's crazy a no good lousy dentist so you had you had a lawyer saving your ass financially (laughs) a dentist saving your ass physically and emotionally shout out to the jews (laughs) hell yeah that's my people right there yes The Jews. <laughs> another another yes. victory for the Jews. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, man, I, he was like, hey, you realize what's happening right here and, and the potential of, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks, and I just melted on his desk and uh, was thankful that I was able to figure it out. I How ran out did, the office. How long did the depression last for? Uh about a month, month and a half. Like suicidal? If, yeah, it felt like a year. Yeah. Because time just moves incredibly slow. Trust me. And, uh... Well, that's... Isn't that one of the characteristics of, de- of like, serious, actual clinical depression is it feels... Like, like when you're on acid, you know, you have a bad trip on acid or mushrooms... One of the main things you have to convince... I'm going to go on record. I'll bet a million dollars you know what it's like to be on a bad trip on acid. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We've heard your albums. I'll bet a billion. In fact, I'm going to raise that to a billion dollars. But you know what I'm I'm talking about? You have to convince the person, look, you're on a drug. This will end. Because when you're in that hallucination, you think, I'm stuck in this fucking fractal world. And it's the same thing as depression. Like You think this will never end. It'll never end. And like I said, you're looking at the clock and... It's just creeping, 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 creeping. Yeah, you make it sound fun. Um, (laughs) Somebody said something on Twitter yesterday that fucking blew my mind. They said, fuck you. No, I'm kidding. Suck my dick. Uh, (laughs) Neil Brennan, you you ain't shit. No, it never happened. You're not funny without Dave. Um, No, they said, uh, they said, people say that suicide is a, is a, permanent problem i'm sorry a permanent solution to a temporary problem but it's presumptuous for you to say that it's a temporary problem right because for some people it's not temporary it's first of all it feels perennial and never-ending but it also sometimes it actually but sometimes it truly is well did you ever see that documentary the bridge about the people that jump off the golden gate bridge no nah, that's an amazing documentary. it's a crazy it's dark. on it's on netflix right now okay. it's fucked up and maybe you shouldn't watch it if you No, he's hard man he's from the hood i'm yeah. happy to say i'm 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 good man um after the dentist <laughs> <laughs> the healing hand at, prophet dentist. after the dentist i was healed i mean the biggest issue, I, I was like, what the 
fuck. Like these are issues that I was able to process normally that I wasn't able to process during this time that I was dealing with the medication. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? It's like what we were talking about before, like being hard or being vulnerable. On a certain level, like being hard has no function because you're you, on some level you're really just a fucking little laboratory where there's a little scientist pouring chemicals. And if you pour too much of this chemical, all of a sudden you're in a suicidal depression. You pour a little more of this chemical, all of a sudden you're a happy person. It's like we're not as uh, you know we're not filled with agency and control as we think we are. It stinks. It does. I mean, I say that I'm kidding, and I mean that. Like it fucking stinks because it's like. It's you can't I you can't even control whether you get a good night's sleep. You know what I mean? Like where you wake up, you just wake up tired and you're like, I slept eight hours, man. <laughs> like the fuck you want me to do? Like I did what I was supposed to Who do. Who are you talking to right now? God, talking to the God, dentist. The Lord, man. <laughs> um, do people do you feel like people come up to you now that this album's come out with some of this depression themes and stuff like, yo, I relate to you, I'm depressed too and Yeah, man. Shout out to all my depressed people out there. Yep. Big up to general big up. apathy. Big, oh, big up. Yep. Yep. Press pause on that Netflix streaming. Take that snuggie off. Put that new album on. Man, you must have some great concerts now that you've got a big bevy of depressed fans. Neil, Neil come on. Throw your hands in the air. Like you just, like don't, you care. just don't care. Meanwhile, I mean, they, they don't haven't care. cared in months. Yeah, no. no if I, not I've never cared. I forget what caring feels like. I haven't felt it's been so long since I cared. I don't even know. I, I forgot the whole thing. I feel really good. Yeah. Right um, now. now, okay. So you uh, did we? When did we start from the beginning? Did we get back to that? Oh, so that's right. We were. We were. Tell us how you started. I mean, what? What was the? Did we miss all that? I think so. Okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean well, take us even before organized confusion when you were a young man. You're from Queens, right? From Queens. Uh, who, who were the guys that you looked up to musically? And how did you even get the notion? Were you just some kid that was obviously because the neighborhood you lived in, you were going to be a, a fan of hip hop? Was that how it worked? <laughs> I mean, fortunately, I grew up in a time where it was still very cultural, and you know, Meaning no white people. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> cultural. Yeah. Jesus. Like, it was. I don't, what's the right word? Cultural. That's the shittiest euphemism I've ever heard. For no white. It was very cultural back then. No, I do feel like I may. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I feel like there was some. There was. No, there was. There was white. There was graffiti period. writers, and that. That's what I mean about by cultural. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm the saying Beastie that. Boys were there. The graffiti writers and people were spinning around on the floor and breakdancing and pop locking and all that was still in the mix and it was new and it felt like this is something incredible that's happening right now that I needed to be a part of. It wasn't just make a record and make money that what drew year? me into it. What year are you talking about? Your uh, years, uh... Yeah, this is like late 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, you're, yeah, you kind of... You're of the. You've been doing that a long time. And yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. One sort of the second generation. Is that would that be right? Like yeah. kind of of I, those sort of pioneer people. You were probably a kid watching those early. Exactly. Early pioneers. And I mean, you know, I just wanted to be a part of it. And I was in art school, mm-hmm. and I was expressing myself through art. What art school? Uh, high school art and design. Sure, and that's if I know. And that. Yeah. no, that was I. I was convinced. Uh, yeah, of course, high school art and design. Yeah, man, and and I uh, just felt like rapping would be a better way to express myself than 
man. Yeah, Good okay, thing you didn't he... push all your chips in on breakdancing, huh? Exactly. At this point in the game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, crazy Legs right now is like, where's my money? Where's yeah. my G6? Um, now, what do you... As a young rapper, or as a young person who wants to be a rapper... Is it like some beautiful mind shit where fucking rhymes start occurring to you? Or is it, do you have to like, I, all right, so you see guys rhyming and you go like, I think I should rhyme more. (laughs) Well, that's what I always think about because you're an extreme, an exceptionally gifted rhymer, uh, MC. You're one of the greats. I'll say it for you. It's so interesting to me for you. You didn't know that when you were a kid. I think about this all the time when we interview rappers. Yeah, because like we were funny. Yeah, right. You would make. I was funny when I was fucking five. But nobody was like that dude. He rhymes very well. I mean, he's not a rapper yet, but he does have a good rhyme scheme. I think if you survey artists, some of that comes from from the same thing. I mean, I was a class clown. Mm -hmm. I used to do the Michael Jackson dance and sing Frank Sinatra songs in the house for my parents for money when guests came over and the whole shebang that kids do where they get that thirst to be an artist right and, and so it just translated over into in, in, into hip-hop you Did know you but they, there was that ever? thing there i knew i should be doing something. you knew you were an entertainer yeah but again were you ever surprised by your own when you went wow i'm very good at this i mean what was the first rhyme where you were like whoa like there's a story about will Cham- uh, i'm sorry bill russell one time when he was like 18, 19, and he said he jumped so high that he was afraid <laughs> at how high he had jumped. Literally, he jumped so high, he was like, oh, fuck, I'm not going to be able to land. Yeah. It, was there a rhyme where you're like, oh, boy, that's a very good it, rhyme? It was the 80s, so it was probably something I wrote about crack, crack cocaine, but in a different way, from a different perspective. And I remember my DJ and my pops being like, that's a pretty decent rhyme about crack. <laughs> Are you embarrassed to say what it was or it, you remember it? I don't I don't remember it. I just know it was about crack. If I did, I would spit it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you know I mean? Shout out to the Snuggies. You know what I mean? Depression. Um, and, okay, so so did you read poetry? I guess would be a question. Did you when you go? I'm going to be a rapper. Do you just go? All right. Well, I got to listen to every album, and I need to just, like fucking be diligent about. It. Is there some due diligence you have to do as a rapper? Um. Yeah, I think you should uh, know where you want to go, uh, lyrically and and song wise, and who you want to be like, and who influences you, and then who influenced the people who influenced that person. Right. And just do a lot of homework in terms of uh, where those people have taken it and how far you could take it. And, and who, that was that, who was that for you when you were young? Who, who I mean, people? I've always gravitated towards the talented lyricists and groups, the crews, Crash Crew and um, Cold Crush. And they had these incredible lyrical routines. And then from there the Slick Ricks and from there the Cool G Raps and Rock Hymns and KRS-1s and uh, by the way I saw Chris Rock last night he said that Slick Rick's daughter goes to Harvard really which made me fucking super happy for some reason I don't know why I was just like fucking great I heard that Slick Rick I once saw Slick Rick perform at a music festival 
and he had his hand in his pocket the whole time and i was like what is he doing and then the organizers of the festival because i was performing there they said yeah he wants to he demanded to get paid in cash up front and this whole time he was holding his <laughs> entire paycheck <laughs> while he was performing <laughs> That's, That's some old school shit. <laughs> That's, real. That's dope. And IRS, if you're listening, go after Slippery. <laughs> uh, he's shout out to my tax evaders. He's trying not to. He's trying not to pay into this great country of ours. Um, uh, so there. So those guys. So then you want and and who influenced them? Like who influenced G Rap and and Rock Cam and shit? I mean, I would guess that uh, coming from that era, it would be around the same people. Who were Crash Shit Crew and Cold Crush and Mel, Melly Mel, and around the same people. But then you could see the tree start to break down and go into different directions. I was just talking about Slick Rick this morning, and people don't know how many artists that he's influenced when you break down the intricacies of his storytelling, but the technical verbiage and timing. You know, from just so many artists I could tell that that came from that tradition. Right. And then, all right, so you're good at rhyming. <laughs> you're, are you in the crew yet? Are you in Organized Confusion yet? Or you're... Yeah, yeah, no. We started off, you know, I grabbed up Prince Poe. We were in school. I had, we, we lived around the corner from each other. We both went to the same high school, High School of Art and Design. Uh, my best friend had turntables, and we were just trying to uh, front and be like the crews in the neighborhood, Grandmaster Vic and the boss crew and all the crews that used to get props in Queens. We were just trying to be like them at first until I got home with the tape and realized how trash we were and how much we sucked and how terrible we sounded. And this is from a live show? or from This is just from in the basement fucking around. And I just wanted it to be perfected. And so I was like, we got to do this over and over and over and over and over and over until we sound like them. Until we sound better than that. And that's what we did. So my DJ was like, yo, y'all are actually good. And I was like, all right, let's try it out somewhere. Did a, a talent show somewhere in Queens. I forgot my lyrics, but oh, you my family it? still clapped. <laughs> <laughs> the first one, though? Yeah, you yeah, felt yeah. Like, oh, that's funny. All your lyrics are just a couple I of froze on stage. Really? <laughs> on the first song. Well, then, that's great to hear. Yeah, man. It's, uh, you know, man, hey, even the God messed up once. <laughs> <laughs> back, <laughs> back in the day. But, yeah, you know, so then um, we, we thought we should. It started sounding as good as the stuff on the radio, so we thought we should go for it. Mm. What did that entail, going for it? Um, We never approached artists, hand them demos, anything like that. We went straight for the record labels, just straight. We had we were pretty conceited for, for MCs back then. Like, once certain people told us we were nice, we were like, yeah. We all good. <laughs> more conceited than someone who's got no experience. Yeah. Right. He like, doesn't know enough to, to know to be to humble. know to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Just go like, nah, this is how it's going to go down, fam. I'm going to do this. <laughs> and, 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 and then I'm take over the world. Like Kanye, it kind of did work out that way. Mm-hmm. At, eventually. At first, it was like no one went with his fucking 
idea, and then but I think eventually it just became like I'm gonna do this, that happened. I'm gonna do this, that happened. That's another thing about uh, organized confusion in the early days. We we never faced that resistance, and I think that hardens MCs and makes them push a do little you think harder. Would have been even. better off facing a bit of resistance. Yeah, we didn't. That shit was like, you guys are dope. Want a deal? Like, <laughs> you're like we thought great. so. Yeah. yeah, but there's a thing that comes with that too, which is it it imbues you with this weird superhuman confidence too. As soon as when the when you think you're dope, and then the powers that be are like, yeah, in fact you are dope. Then all of a sudden you're like a robot. You know, yeah. you're just like I can do anything. Was yeah. there a rude awakening for it? Um. As, as hard as we worked and as underground as we were, we were probably a little spoiled at the same time, too. Because, like I said, in that era, I mean, we, we had car services taking us from Queens to studios in Manhattan. We were an underground group. Right. That's how the money was flowing back then. We, what label we, were you guys on? Excuse what me? What label was organized? Computer? Oh, it was uh, called Hollywood Basic, which was under Hollywood Records, which was a Disney company, which was what funny is the joke. Yeah. Uh, I love that that's how, like, the gold rush for hip-hop was, that Disney was like, you know what we need to do? Well, gosh, Mickey, I've heard some dope beats <laughs> recently. <laughs> There's a new style of music coming out of New York City. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, and they were like, sounds good. Yeah, they, no one said, like, do we know anything about this? Don't worry about it. You don't need to. All we know, all we need to know is that organized confusion is dope. Yeah, they're nice. Yeah. They got the God in there. <laughs> and they, they had they had lots of uh, cash advance. And, uh, oh, yeah. So you got a nice advance? A nice advance. And we worked in uh, a weekly check as well. I think we had to be the, we might have been the only rap artist that got a weekly check. In addition to the advance, we were like, we need budgetary things like food and taxi money and hotel money. But you live in New York. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, that's and and yeah, no one else was that part of the. I mean, they. The thing about the regular business is like you eventually have to pay that money back. Did that ever occur to you? Like, hey, we're gonna have to pay this money back because the story I always heard was like Radiohead. <laughs> Uh, famously on their second record was like let's just take the advance build a studio and then never take another advance uh, whereas it seems like everybody else is like no we're taking the advance and fuck it we're gonna be rich and it's like no you gotta pay them back you don't yeah. get a fucking dime until you paid all that money back you only you don't only have to pay them back you have to pay them back with like 10 cents per song per per album that you sell so that's probably never happening. Like, and you said you've never gotten a royalty check for shit. No, I mean I have, but they've been like thirty-eight dollars and nineteen cents from the old stuff, you know. Right, and yeah. it, you have no idea what it's for. It's just like Europe. Or <laughs> <laughs> it's for Europe. Well, so uh, it sounds like there's no comparison. Like in, you're in, you at this stage in your career, you're an elder statesman now, not a teenager anymore, and you're in complete command of your career and and make make things happen as you see fit. I mean, is there for you emotionally and financially any any comparison now to then? Would you rather be on a big label? No. Yeah, I would rather be independent right now. The climate has changed drastically. You know, there is. Uh, you know, 
obviously uh, something you can work out contract wise like an like an athlete but uh to make provisions for doing that but it doesn't make sense to be there if they're not going to totally green light your project not just your song but your career you know put you in a position to make the money back and and earn money and you must have over these years seen some strange things occur there must have been some some wild strange nights i have a specific question which is have you i would assume you get hit up to ghostwrite a lot right um yeah i did like about what was that five maybe six seven years ago for the uh the 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 diddy record press play it's right. probably the last record. I can't believe that Diddy used uh, a ghost wrote for well, you know he writes checks, guys. That doesn't make any he doesn't sense write to rhymes. me. That's impossible. In fact, you guys don't worry if he writes rhymes. He writes Sorry? checks. He writes checks. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so Organized Confusion broke up acrimoniously, nicely, reasonably. No, nah, it was all good. I, I just reached a point, you know, mind you, we did three albums, and the latter one was a big uh production and it was a story album and we really went hard and it was exhausting doing that album exhausting in that like it took a lot of focus and a lot of a lot of focus complex and it was like a lot lot of of, focus rewriting and shit yeah 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 and i was just exhausted like just coming out of the album even before we went into doing the singles and the videos and flying back and forth to la because the label was in cali uh, I was definitely like, I'm gonna need a break after this record anyway, regardless. And um, we got dropped from the label. So there's your break. And I was like, Woo, yes! <laughs> uh, that's the greatest Thank day of your you career. <laughs> and I took a break and a hiatus. And in that interim, I just figured out I had a whole bunch of uh, ideas and things I wanted to get off my chest as an artist and writer. So. I went to Prince and said, I have a whole bunch of ideas and things and chess I need to get off my my spirit as a writer. And he was like, all right, cool. And then and you felt confident that you could do it? Yeah, I was I was very, very confident at the time uh, about the honesty and the conviction of what I needed to, to, to say and how I wanted to say it. I thought it could be viable in the marketplace, so I was What year are we talking about now? Oh, shit. God damn. 1970, now. 97. Okay. Yeah. That's when you split and went solo. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I had a couple of offers from different labels, but I still wanted to get in the studio and work out my music ideas and let these these A&R people and these labels hear where I would be coming from as a as a solo artist. Why? Because you just didn't want to feel like you ripped them off somehow? You didn't want to get into a situation where they were like, oh, we didn't know. We, we thought we were going to talk about rims. <laughs> that and I, I wanted to show my, my independence and as a solo artist and that it would be, you know, a little different and the voice would be different and the concepts would be different. So I did. And then uh, I went to a Black Star show and I saw Mose and Quali and we were kicking it afterwards. And Quali 
put me on the raucous and that's how that whole thing happened like oh so you you could have gone with a technically like a bigger label um there was one major situation and two indie situations right yeah um and did you always make your own beats um i did on the 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 organized we all collectively shared in the production uh I did a bulk of the production on the first solo album, Internal Affairs. So, uh, and then after that, I just only did a couple of tracks and just got more into concentrating on the writing. And so if you were describing, I mean, if you were describing what your, what that voice is that you said you wanted to differentiate yourself from the organized days, what is, what is the, your description of who, of who you are? Um, how many times, I mean, I don't mean to bore you with this question because sometimes it's yeah, yeah, yeah. always asked like, well, what's this, how would you describe your comedy? But yeah. well, what do you, how there, would you there's another way to do it, which is just what the fuck do you think of the world <laughs> and what do you have to say about it? How, and how do you see your, is it like your response to the world? Because that's what I always say about comedy. It's like, this is just how I feel about it. Like, the world says right. all this shit. I agree. I, I agree that it's uh, that's a huge percentage of that. And then a lot of it is, you know, pulling out what's inside of you from all the years past and what you think about your future and voicing it in a, in a unique way and trying to be unique about what you write and putting it out there in the marketplace you know, so many MCs, comedians, uh, you you need to do it in a unique way that it stands out that somebody pays attention to what you're right. doing. You totally. know? I mean, have you ever wished or thought about that you were a more commercial artist, that you were, would you ever thought, maybe I should sell out now. Maybe I should start writing something that it doesn't really speak to my truth, but it will sell a million albums or what? Has that ever, that temptation? The good news is I have a booth in the next room. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I set up a booth and I've written some rhymes. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, I have I have songs right now that I think are commercially viable, but they're they're honest still. They're not fuck off, contrived fuckery. They're like <laughs> actual things that if if they blew up and people would be like, ah, oh, he sold out. I would actually be like, no, I meant this. Right. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I love the Black Eyed Peas. I love to party. Exactly. Well, that's, but the Black Eyed Peas are a great example of you. If you listen to their early album, you go, "Oh, these guys are like this sort of like backpacker kind of like it's got an underground sound to it." And then all of a sudden, you there's this almost line in the sound. You go, "Oh, somebody went fuck this. Let's, <laughs> let's put our yes. kids through college." And you know, I know that story. We were talking Jimmy about it earlier. Will I am told me that story, and it goes back to Jimmy Iovine, which we was talking about yeah. before. I was in the studio with Will I am working on a song with Justin Timberlake, and he's telling me. They put the first record out, and they were like, "Woo, we're going to blow, we're going to do it. And the shit ain't do shit. And they were all sad and depressed, whatever. That's on the, on the, uh, with Fergie and everybody? Like, no, 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 that's, that's before that. And he goes to Jimmy Iovine, and he's like, man, I know we have the potential to, I know we have the potential to be a top seller. I know we could do it. What do we have to do? <laughs> Hire a white lady. <laughs> he banged it. He like rang a bell and Fergie walked out in a genie costume. Yeah. Yeah, like. But you know, it, Jimmy Iovine is a genius in that pop music does need to have a temperament and and a major chord and a 
happy vibe to it. There, there are elements to it that that need to be there. That I think a lot of artists understand what those elements are. You know, it's not like I don't understand the elements of what they do and can't obtain that. You know, I choose to make dark, depressing music that depressing fans come <laughs> to and won't throw their hands up. <laughs> but would you? Okay, so. Once you stop having to focus, was it nice to not have to make your own beats and be able to pick from good producers? That was awesome too. It was it was a relief on the you know the effort side and it allowed me to uh, dig a little deeper on the writing side because when you make beats, it it's, it pulls out of you an expression as well. It's almost like writing. You know, it is writing. Writing the music, and now you got to write on top of the music. So that was exhausting as well. So. It was dope, but just also work with a lot of producers I wanted to work with. Who were your favorites? Um, I went back to working with, with Lee Stone, who we started together with Internal Affairs. And then uh, I met uh, Mr. Porter, Denon Porter, uh, is is a very good friend of mine from Detroit, was in the group D12, is like one of my favorite producers he plays he sings he he's just incredible incredible producer so and that's the thing you know producers they they don't just make beats they they push you lyrically and they push you in the studio and they produce vocals and they Do produce you get pissed at them producer sometimes where you're like no my bugger that's as deep as i can go uh he does he does push you like that you know what i mean and great producers even you know I mean they they get under your skin to pull something out of you. Uh is it like something of a mind game on their part or is it just like a <laughs> a motivation a motivation thing where it's like it used to be, but now if you don't like my first take, I'm already pissed off cuz I'm the god. <laughs> <laughs> nah. We got to catch you when you're in a depression. He's like, take these steroids. I made a cocktail. Hold on. Don't go to the dentist. Don't go to the dentist. Hold on. No, fuck that. Your teeth are beautiful. (laughs) Uh, Okay. And then I got a question. Do you write? Meaning, I I feel like Jay-Z, one one take hove and all that shit. Everyone's like, I don't write. I don't keep a notebook. But it's like. No, you should keep a notebook. It's smart to keep a notebook. It's smart to write down rhymes. It's smart to remember the shit you think. Uh, so what I'm saying is, do you write? Oh, hell yeah, man. I I write. I race. I rewrite. I delete. On a computer, p- paper, uh, phone. Both. Quill. Quill. <laughs> parchment blood. <laughs> your own poop <laughs> on the wall. Uh, writing, like, is, writing is a beautiful thing, and more artists should get back to it. I mean... It's like it's like a script. It's like editing and you know making making the joke better and making the rhyme better, uh, fixing the pun and fixing the delivery. That that's all part of writing. So I think even if you you don't write it down and you you hear it back and you say I can deliver that better, right, with more conviction, then you're still writing essentially. You know, so. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, um, you know, a lot of this stuff is freestyle off the cusp just to get it out and and for it to be, you know, uh, sound natural and authentic. 
but then you go back and you shape it up a little bit. So you'll listen to be take an hour, take two hours, write over it, and then go in and then and then sort of do another, then almost like edit from there or rewrite from there. Um, yeah, that's that's usually the process. But on an album like Post Traumatic Stress Disorder, I'm like googling and researching and. So it's meticulously written yeah, more. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of... And do you yeah. find that the older you get, the more meticulously you write? Or the more experience you get, the less you have to put into it? It depends on the beat. Like, uh, you know, if it's a fun joint, you want it to feel like you freestyled it uh-huh. and you had fun. And you leave some mistakes on there. And, you know, you try and get as organic as possible. But for some of these songs, I was like... For example, the single that's out now is called Broken Again. It's a metaphor to heroin use to a broken relationship. And originally, I said squeeze 20 cc's so I could see the 7 c's and cc all my friends so they could see what I was seeing. But what they saw was a despicable human being. So I guess they just wasn't seeing what I was seeing. But then I was on tour one time and I was in a gym and I was on the 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 exercise bike and I called my manager and I was like I think 7 cc's would be better than 20 cc's even though I looked it up in terms of heroin use right and found uh-huh. out that 20 cc's is the usage I think 7 cc's to see the 7 c's to cc all my friends so they it was just it was like right. yeah change it you know yeah right so we went back in and we changed it well, I like love an, that that's, story that's like an, I love that story because it just is like it's like George Wallace was on the podcast last week, and he was saying, watching Richard Pryor do workout jokes for Live at the Sunset Strip was fucking excruciating because it was bad. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't bad. bad for a week. It was bad for months, wow. he said. And, like, so it's fun. I love hearing stories of, like, no, it's not easy. It's, it's not easy. You have to work at it. You have to be obsessed with it, and you have to change it. You know, mm-hmm. um, and like so. Thank you for for, and that is a better rhyme, and that's a great rhyme to begin with, and it's great that you were still like thinking about it. That's where narcissism comes in handy. <laughs> Tell me about it. They're like, remember that time you're in the gym going like, "Hey God, remember that time you said seven cc? <laughs> Let me take twenty cc's." But so it's also true that like art is more important than the truth all the time. Like in a joke, sometimes you know, it's like you tweak a line. You're like, well, this is less true than the last line, but it's more funny. So who the fuck cares? Yeah, we're literally on the phone. Like, as you're squeezing the twenty cc's, you could be at the point where it's seven cc's to go. So it still makes sense. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. we're trying to justify <laughs> the, the, the poetic license. Of you, it. You're afraid you're going to get some angry emails from heroin exactly. users. Exactly. What the fuck is seven <laughs> cc's? I have like, never motherfuckers come hobbling up to you. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, young you're blood. Like, you're like, uh, they're like, they're like uh, Pharaoh, uh, tell Pharaoh a bunch of heroin addicts Listen. outside. Like, uh, tell Pharaoh we're here. He knows. He knows we've, what this is about. We've been fact checking, <laughs> and there's some problems with the CC he count on your last fuck. track. He knows what he did. <laughs> but you know what? If you let me hold twenty dollars, I'll no, forget no, all no, about it. No, 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 no. It's um, a good. It's a great song, actually. Oh, I mean, I, I heard it just today. And I didn't a, know we had an album. Out. It's a really fucking. It's a really mad powerful. No, I'm fucking mad at myself because I'm a legitimately big it's fan. It's a very powerful song, and it sounds really nice. And the beat is super hot. It's like it's got all the things you want out thank of a you, song. Thank you, thank you, thank um, you. All right, well, here's a question: Aging in hip hop. Yes. 
How how's that going? No, he said Asians in hip hop. Asians yes, <laughs> <or> in hip hop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> both are good now. Aging is a uh, is is a beautiful thing, man. I, I I was thinking about it the other day. Aging in hip hop, as I am aging, but it's a beautiful thing, man. Wisdom again. I wouldn't trade the wisdom back for the years. Um, the knowledge is great. Knowledge is power, and um, you know it's a good thing to to from where you stand embrace it and enjoy it and so um i feel like i'm obtaining more incredible things to pass on to people more information to pass on to people more information to write about and moving into territory where it is really you know it it will be super artistic and uncharted territory to talk about these perspectives from where i sit I think it's dope, man. I don't think it's whack at all. I've always you, felt like that's that's true. It's always true that you want the experience and the wisdom more than you want the years. And then you get to a certain age, and then the critical mass flips. You're like, you know what? Now I'll take the years, actually. <laughs> now, now, now I feel like the years yeah. are worth it. Well, that's the thing. Especially, well, any sort of pop culture or any sort of, uh, any sort of, um, <laughs> why is it? <laughs> I'm sorry, the MTV. I think Catfish is on, and there's a dude. There's a very complicated. There's a very complicated website. episode of Catfish um, playing and, in the background. Uh, no. no, but there is a. People don't like experience in culture. They just want new shit, mm-hmm. especially black culture. Mm-hmm. They don't have any. They like. Uh, I've been talked to Bashir and Diallo about this, and Chris Rock's hosting the BET Awards because it's like he's fucking old. But I don't know because and I he's just, old and he has to go like, hey, I'm not, I'm still fucking funnier than everybody. You just forgot because well, it's pop culture. I, I just did the MTV Awards and it was Conan, and it's also like everybody's like, who's Conan? Like everybody know like, why is he? Shouldn't it be some like you know ripped twenty year old boy who's like has no life experience <laughs> bombing instead of Conan? Like clearly the but greatest guy for the job. Yeah, stop, <laughs> stop this. <laughs> But you know what I mean? It's like clearly yeah. this is the guy, the best skill set for the job. But everybody's kind of like, why isn't he blonde and with no? Tattoos? I know why isn't he cute or why isn't he like? What do you make of that? Like vanity and fucking because it's I you can't say that there's no place for it. It's like I was telling somebody the other day. People say it doesn't matter what you look like in comedy, except for the fact that no one with gray hair or balding has ever made it. Steve Martin started to have gray hair. He's got plugs. Sure and. Don Rickles was bald, but it was 1958. So <laughs> your point is well made, if not completely accurate. It's I think it's pretty. Ac- I mean, no, think you're, about it. you're right. Yeah, yeah. Like people go, it doesn't matter comedy. No, every I know every comedian, and all of them have new teeth, new hair, plugs, well, okay. shots. But on the other hand, hip hop and comedy. Uh, Elder statesmen are respected or honored or whatever. Hip hop, it's not. You can so so. No, not you, really. Again, people. Will I mean, pick you're Drake. right. There is. It's true in every form that the that the pioneers are always just not getting paid, paving the road for people to get paid in in everything. How that's many the people truth. really? How many people over forty can do arenas? Can do in arena. any in anything. You two, the Rolling Stone. I mean, like it's fucking. The, the it's the, it's a it's a tiny tiny group of people. So I guess what it, what's it like? Like as much as you say, I love the wisdom. It's like, 
do you ever want to go like motherfucker? I'm better than Drake. I'm better than fucking uh, uh, Future. I'm better than all these people. Well, we talking about major label before. You know, if if you're on a major label and you're going that route and you're young or whatever, you better be ready for celebrity now. And it, it's about celebrity more so than ever. And I think in the past and in, in the music industry where you could be an artist before and 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 still get green lighted and sell a lot of records so i say that to say yeah you know when you're when you're 40 and you're doing comedy or you're doing music you're talking about arenas the the audience keeps changing and the people who loved you 10 years ago now have their daughter to take care of and send to school so they can't make the show so you're trying to bring in new 20 year olds i think you know there's just niche and nuanced ways to make music that may not be as popular. You know, I, I heard somewhere that there are more 19 year olds in America right now than ever before in this country. It we feels like get it. out there. Right. It feels like it. And, uh, you know, there knew, are ways to just keep making matter. music and art that, that reaches those people and yet pleases the audience that you're used to musically. Yeah, you probably won't be doing arenas. I agree. But you can still be happy in your art. You know what I mean? You need to do arenas to be relevant. Yeah. That's key. And also, yeah, it's like, would you rather make... I mean, it's a fucking too broad a question. It's like, but would you rather make decent art and sell out big venues or great art and and barely sell out a thousand seat or whatever? Uh, I'd rather, you know... Where I'm at right now, my goal is to move people, do honest music, and uh, try and push it to that point. It's, it's obvious what's happening right right now for me in the music industry. I can't even play that game if I wanted to. Right. You know. Do you so it's not even an option of if I wanted to play that game, I don't have the the financial backing the sneakers, to move into those lanes. There's only three you know uh facets of of those people who get played and they all come from the a family tree of 3 you know uh for making any sense what what in terms of family tree? keep talking about it i'm sure it does keep yeah 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 i mean if you're not uh you mean like good music right if you're not diddy or jay or wayne everything else is a subsidiary of those artists coming down from nikki to drake to Ross, to this, to that, and anybody Where outside of those that of? tree, it's not getting and you're played. You're talking about stylistically, he's Jay Z, or you're talking about Jay put him on. I'm talking about they are signed under these three companies. Oh, I didn't or, even know or, or would you say or Dre Ross. would be the fourth? Yeah, yeah. And you've worked with Dre. Yeah, yeah. W- what was that like? I worked with all those people. Not all of them, but I work with Dre and I work with Puff. And but the Dre experience was dope, man. We had just put out Internal Affairs, and he was a big fan of the album, and he had me out there working on music and the new album. And 
Did I'll, he make you pump iron before you recorded it? Uh, sorry? Did he That's, make you, he like, got you do hooked some on, bench presses before you He did. got you hooked on them roids, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you hit your depression. <laughs> He's the one who he, he was trying to kill you in the yeah, most man. roundabout way. It was do, the problem was Dr. Dre. That was the doctor that put you on all those drugs. <laughs> you had to go to Dentist Dre to get all them taken yeah. care of. You had to go to Dr. Zismore <laughs> to get straightened out. Some, uh, did you ever rhyme about Dr. Zismore? He, oh, no. Fa- uh, 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 MF Doom rhymed about Dr. Yeah, Zismore. Yeah, it yeah. fucking made me laugh so hard. Um, yeah, so did you? who did you? Who of those guys did, of the superstars? You've known Kanye since before. It was... We were talking about a funny Kanye story because I said the first time I, the last time I saw Farrah was at uh, the album release party for College Dropout for Kanye's mm-hmm. first album, and he came in and he looked like a fucking Viking. <laughs> Farrah came, in wearing, came in wearing like a suede tunic, and I was like, "Who the fuck is that?" And she fucking said, "Farrah Much." I was like, "Of course it is." <laughs> like wearing a suede tunic and fucking. I was telling him I told that story for for the complex. Yeah. Tell the tell the repeat the story. So I I I was uh hanging out late night and at, we that were at night, this that same night going to this after hour spot that uh, Talib Kweli was throwing a party at, and I looked over into this truck up ahead as I was walking down the block, and I see Kweli and Kanye in the in the Range Rover and I'm, I'm walking over I'm like oh it's Quali and Kanye and they see me and they flick the lights and they're like oh there goes Farrah and I walk over and Kanye was driving and I walk over to the driver's side and he rolls the window down and I'm like hey what's up man you guys going in the spot what you doing right now you going in the spot right now and Kanye was like what type of code is that <laughs> I'm like uh, it's Diesel and Kanye was like yeah, I had that shit three years ago. And I was like, man, fuck you, man. You know. Uh, yeah. But you know. Uh, classic Kanye. He was, again, classic Kanye. he was famous. Uh, classic Kanye. Code is still fresh. <laughs> Leave my code alone. Leave my code alone. It was hot. Man. It was hot. Uh, and Dre, and how was working with Dre? Uh, it was a dope experience in that uh, just being out there, working with him, again, having a uh, somebody push you on the on the lyric side, and uh, also being able to work with Nate Dogg and uh, all the other producers who were working on music at the time out there, and artists, and it it, it was really dope, and uh, that was a great experience as well. Ultimately, it's all sort of the same experience, though. In that, is it not? In that, it's just you and a dude in a studio and a and a booth and a board and. I mean, with, right? with with Dre, man, it was so much going on at the time. It was like, um, you know, High Tech is in a room working on this, and Nate is in a room working on another album, and uh, his cousin is in a room, and there's gang dudes over there, and there's regular humans over <laughs> here. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's just crazy. But it's just excellent. And just being around that excellence helps to push you to see what excellence sounds like and what it feels like, what it looks like, you know? And you think he's head and shoulders. Do you think that he's still head and shoulders or do you think that, like, 
the Chronic and the Chronic 2000 are just fucking. He's mostly so shoulders great. actually right now. Well, yeah, I mean, but I'm that, but I'm saying, do you think like he just established a sound that was so great? It's impossible for anybody to be like Kanye says he took the beats from Explosive, and you know what I mean, like just shit where it's like, no, it's all Dre. Uh, those albums are just classic, and yeah. that 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 word is used for a reason, and it's timeless, and you could go back to it. I don't I don't know if it'll ever be topped in that sense again, which is why he's not pressed to even try to do that. You right, know and I mean? you mean by by. Uh, you just mean song for song, beat for beat, just sonically. It's just like, I this mean, is better than everything. It blows your mind. I you agree. go back and listen to it. It's just like, what the fuck? How did they do this? Yeah. And you're right. Nothing. You haven't heard an album, even if there have been great albums. Kanye, there's c- certain certain parts. Kanye, I, I, would, I would put Kanye up there. Yeah, but, but it's so weird and avant-garde on some level, some, some of the beats of Kanye's, that it's, le- it's less... That's the thing. Chronic was so accessible and so groundbreaking yeah. at the same yeah. time. Yeah. And Smart the key is, I, I think the key yeah. is for yeah. artists that, like Kanye. Most of his fans are both. He is, the key is for artists like Kanye is to just try to be classic and timeless in the moment that you're in and ahead of the game and ahead of the curve at the moment that we're at instead of trying to top what, you know, the Chronic or what you did the last time. Same thing with Dre, I think. He scrapped so many songs that you got to move on from this summer from last summer because it just feels different, you know. Right. So it's funny you use summer as like. Do you do you see summer as the official season of hip hop? I see summer as the official season for green lighted, top level Dr. Dre Kanye for projects. Yeah. Who's the next superstar in hip hop? Is it Iggy Azalea? Is it? I just cr- I'm crossing myself. <laughs> um, I mean, is that who it is? God, if you're listening, Lee, Lee Stone, Lee Stone just hit me up. My 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 producer, long time collaborator, told me listen to the album. He said it was dope. Iggy Azalea, yeah. But I, for me, I bet I she a, got good beats. I have a heart. She's got great beats and she can rap. I have a hard time with her. The juxtaposition between her real persona and her rap persona, it right. feels... She's from Australia, and she sounds like she's from Atlanta. Yeah, she's I from have Australia, a question, and proper though. and polite, and then all of a sudden she starts rapping. It's like, oh, okay, are you doing... Are you doing? Is this a joke? Or? I have a question. And yes, Neil. This will be our... Uh, we got to wrap it up. Is there any such thing as cultural appropriation? I And the easy answer is yes, but let me finish. I see art and dance any of the shit as open source so just because one black person came up with twerking doesn't mean black people own it just because right. one one black person came up with rhyming or uh, hip-hop whatever i don't think so i'm of the mind that it's open source it is a genre in and of itself and do your thing no but nobody's saying eminem is is not keeping it real they but when uh, you wa- they, I, okay, I think not they wanted nobody, to okay no not that nobody is but the the juxtaposition between Iggy's uh, conversational persona and her rap persona is so crazy. Like I'm a proper Australian chick. I'm a straight up like I'm from the streets. I'm a hood rat. Right. Like, it seems inauthentic. I don't know what the word inauthentic for sure, but also almost offensive. Dishonest. I mean, Minstrel. Uh, That's the word. <laughs> That's the word. <laughs> I don't. But again, do you believe in that? I don't listen to enough of her music to weigh in on that. So, 
But in the case of a, a Eminem, or a I, Miley Cyrus twerking, or you know what I mean? Uh, shit, damn! I don't give a shit so much about <laughs> Miley Cyrus twerking. or whatever. It's like people get mad at, at Pharrell for wearing a fucking Indian headdress, Native American headdress on the cover of U- L.U.K. And it's sort of like it's a fucking hat. It's right. a style. Ultimately, at this point, it's a style of hat. I I had a tweet once. It was I'm I'm so mad about cultural appropriation. I'm going to go meet my friends at an Indian restaurant to talk about it. It's like you can go <laughs> eat their food, but you can't wear yeah. the the jacket somehow. Like what? Yeah, yeah. It's weird, but it exists. And with with you know hip hop or rhyming or twerking, I, I I agree. But yeah, when you get into religious things and garb. Like that headdress is kind of weird. That's fair. To see how it affects the the indigenous people who don't those headdresses for the reasons that they did. So that's a good point. I want to see it. I, my heart wants to see it. All is art, and not as a disrespectful thing. But you have to keep in mind that um, you know, there, there's people who pray and lives have been taken for and what they and how they look and what they wear and are you really desecrating it when you use it for uh the cover of a magazine or not is debatable twerking that's a religious thing for me (laughs) (laughs) you're a high priest of twerk that's right in other words it like everything else is subject to the laws of nuance i mean it depends Really, on what's happening. I, I agree. I, and I think Miley Cyrus is playing a long con on everybody. Everybody's so appalled, but she stays in the cultural milieu this whole time. We're all still talking right. about her. Uh, yeah, okay. I still I think that you can wear something from another. Unless you specifically don't. Uh, unless you specifically don't believe it. Because I know a lot of people that wear crosses that aren't Christian at all. They go to church. You know what I mean? Like. It's like you can say, but your actions are fucking no. But I think what to Pharaoh's point, like when when a thing is a ritualistic garment, it deserves a little bit of different respect than a dance or a, a style of music. It, it I, does seem, I I maybe not maybe yeah right. no I completely disagree. I just was like no, it's just a thing because yeah. I feel like you've worn shit. In your life, that there's no way yeah. to believe. Yeah, where, where were you when were you when you were disrespecting the Vikings with that jacket? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's Vikings. Pissed. Vikings are waiting outside with a bunch of heroin out. <laughs> that was a sacred garb from Diesel. He knows what the fuck he he did. Uh, all right, we got to wrap we it up. It. That was really great. Hey, man. yeah, that was great. So go cop that new album, Post Traumatic Stress Disorder (PTSD). Yeah. It's out now everywhere. It really is everywhere. good too. I I heard a few tracks just today on my way over, and it's really it's 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 great. And you're what you're you know you're one of the best, man. Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's the guy. <laughs> what can you say? <laughs> all right, thanks, y'all. thanks, man. Now you're fucking with the champs. Sweet seven CC, so I can see the seven C's. The CC on my friends, so they can see what I was seeing. 
even what they saw was a despicable human being So I guess they just wasn't seeing what I was seeing Convert two into one, an indivisible plan To discover what dreams may come for this invisible man Sentimental education, beautiful but the damn Was constantly catching fire, rich and prior Skin deteriorated, family infuriated by the myriad of tracks, but my train never came. So humiliated, started begging for change, failed rehabilitation, so the scars still remain. Ice clothes became frayed, so isolated and afraid. <laughs> I smell like an animal, my teeth enamel decayed. I'm relocated in Alabama now. Let me lock Simulanta now. Won't stop the burn. Constantly searching for the answers how I could kiss the sky without a handsome butt. It's so hard to learn. Resident Evil when every president's a Mason 
robbing y'all fools like the grace And if y'all inherited roots and you don't know how to retrace them Place them back, face them facts Disgraceful, faceless, tasteless acts Pharaoh takes the authorities to court Peace crime before it happens like minority report And I will never be mentally defenseless Catch me on the block in the hood in the trench saying Super-